Good morning, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl. I would like to thank my sponsor, the Camden Conference. Um, if you have questions or comments, you can um, go to the Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet Facebook page to post them. Um, today, I'm going to be, I built the show around jazz photographer John Rogers, um, who took a lot of photos of Paul and a lot of other jazz musicians as well. And he still does. I shouldn't say. Well. And he, um, he'll be joining us at about 1030. And um, he did the liner photos um, for um, Lost in a Dream, Windmills of Your Mind, Further Explorations, Live at Birdland, um, and Sunrise. And he was also a friend of Paul's, and I know he helped him a lot um, with his equipment and stuff when he was getting in and out of gigs, um, especially at the Village Vanguard, which Paul played at almost exclusively for the last uh, few years. And I'm going to start out, um, I asked John what um, music he liked, and also I picked some songs from those albums that he did the liner photos for. So we're going to start out with Live at Birdland, which I couldn't believe I've never played anything from this before. I'm not sure why. came out in 2011, and it was recorded in 2009 for ECM Records. There's Lee Konitz, Brad Meldow, and Charlie Hayden, and Paul Modian. And we're going to start out with I Fall in Love Too Easily. Thank you. 
That was drum music um, recorded live, I think, at the Village Vanguard. And that's from Lost in a Dream. And it was recorded in 2009 and released in 2010, ECM Records. Chris Potter on tenor saxophone, Jason Moran on piano, and Paul Modian on drums. And before that, we heard I Fall in Love Too Easily, a Julie Stein, Sammy Kahn tune from Live at Birdland. Lee Konitz on alto saxophone, Brad Meldau on piano, Charlie Hayden on double bass, and Paul Modian on drums. And today I'm featuring um, music from um, CDs that John Rogers did the liner notes for. He's a New York City photographer, and he will be joining us later in the show at about 10.30 to talk about Paul and his photography. And... Um, I'm also featuring songs that he liked, and drum music is one of those. I have a couple of readings today. Um, just kind of these are random typed up things that Paul did. Um, and here's one. I'm not sure of the date, but it is typed on paper, so I don't think it w is that new. I am at least two different people. One person is the drum and the drummer, and the other is without the drum and the drummer. The two are very different. The drums really saved my beep a number of times. Someone once told me that they had seen me on the subway one day, and they were amazed by the fact that I looked like everyone else, and that I seemed to blend in with the other people, and could have been just like someone going to a day job. <laughs> Another neighbor of mine said, I came to your concert and wanted to talk to you afterwards, but I felt awkward, like I didn't really know you. You seem so different than the person I know. Quite different than the man I was used to seeing in the market. On a very crowded Paris metro one afternoon, I'm standing in the center of the car between hordes of people face to face with a Parisian who looks at me and says, Wow, Paul Modian, I'm a big fan of yours. I was quite surprised to be peeped like that. Next up, I have Mode 6, also from Lost in a Dream. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. 
Chick Corea on piano, Eddie Gomez on bass, and Paul Modian on drums, uh, playing Paul Modian's tune, Mode 6, at, on the um, album Further Explorations, um, which is a live album, I think at, I think it was recorded at Birdland, if I'm remembering correctly. And um, it was released in 2012 and recorded in 2010. And um, John Rogers, our featured jazz photographer, which is a little unusual for a radio show, but I've got a couple of his pictures posted on the Facebook page and on the um, Jazz Closet Blogspot page. Um, and also there's a link to his website. He's got a lot of really great photos, so you should take a look. I want to remind you that you are listening to WRFR Community Radio, 93.3, Rockland, Maine, and streaming online at WRFR.org. Um, next up, I have a cut from Sunrise, the Masabumi Kikuchi CD um, that came out also in 2012, recorded in 2009, and this is So What Variations.
Petra Hayden on vocals there from Windmills of Your Mind and Thomas Morgan on bass, Paul Modian on drums, and Bill Frizzell on guitar. A 2011 Winter and Winter release recorded in 2010. I Loves You Porgy, a Gershwin and Gershwin tune. And the second song in that set was from the same album, and that was Back Up, a Paul Modian tune. And at the top of the set, we heard So What Variations, a Kikuchi, Morgan, and Modian um, tune from Sunrise, Masabumi Kikuchi on piano, Thomas Morgan on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. And in between the Windmills tunes, we also heard Last Ballad from the same group. Um, I have a short reading, and then I'm going to play Fiasco of John Rogers, one of John Rogers' favorite Palmodian tunes, then I'm going to play the version um, from Europe, which is a bebop band album, and that has Steve Cardanis and Ben Monder on guitar, Anders Christensen on electric bass, Palmodian on drums, Chris Cheek on tenor saxophone, Pietro Tonolo on tenor and soprano sax, and I see I don't really have time to do the reading, but I'll do it after the top of the hour. So here is Europe. Um, Fiasco from Europe.
Welcome back to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. I would like to thank my sponsor, the Camden Conference. Today's special guest is going to be jazz photographer John Rogers, who is based in New York City. Um, he knew Paul for quite a few years and um, I, uh, is, was sort of, is sort of a fixture at the Village Vanguard, I believe. And um, so I'm playing tunes that John did the liner photos for and also tunes that um, he particularly liked by Paul. And so um, next up, I have uh, Kathleen Gray from Modian in Tokyo. And then um, John's going to come on about 1030. So stay tuned. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
That was I Have the Room Above Her from this album of the same name, a 2005 ECM release. Joe Lovano on tenor saxophone, Bill Frizzell on guitar, and Paul Modian on drums. And the same lineup on Kathleen Gray at the top of the set from Modian in Tokyo. And that's a Winter and Winter release, um, 1985. And I forgot to do the reading, so I'm going to do it now. Um, first, let me tell you that um, Jadbig is an Armenian word that means clever or smart. It, it isn't just being smart. It's about being like wise and street smart. It kind of, it goes beyond just being intelligent. Okay. His name was Jarbig. He traveled the world and visited every culture. When he returned home, his associates asked, what did you learn? Oh, Jarbig. I learned that the way to enlightenment is a trip around the world and that a world trip is not necessary to be enlightened by a trip around the world. Or, I learned that the way to enlightenment is a trip around the world, he said, and a world trip is not necessary for a trip around the world to be enlightened. Around the time when my left arm shoulder was beeped up, the small wooden antique Buddha statue from Malaysia on the windowsill lost its right arm during a rainstorm. Um, next up, I have Mumbo Jumbo, also from Modian in Tokyo.
Um, I'm here in the studio with John Rogers on the line, on the phone. He's in a hotel lobby in New York City. And um, so uh, that you just heard Mumbo Jumbo from Modian in Tokyo with Joe Lovano, Bill Frizzell, and Paul Modian. And um, okay, John, um, do you want to say something? We'll see if you're on the air okay. Hello? Ooh, that doesn't sound too good. Um, can you hear me, John? I can hear you, yes. Okay, you're on the air now. That's good. Okay. Okay, that's working. Good. Um, so um, I wanted to ask you how you first met Paul. I mean, I know, like, do you, did you know him for... I don't know. How long did you know him for? Do you remember what year you met? I think I met him in, in 2008. So I only knew him for a couple of years. Uh, but I met him in 2008 when I photographed him for uh, NPR. Oh, I see. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was when, we, when we first met at the Vanguard. Uh-huh. So NPR was at the Vanguard. So did you go to the Vanguard a lot before that, or...? Before you actually no. met him? Oh no, you didn't. Oh, okay. I had no, that. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go there before I started working for the for the NPR EGO show. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to a lot of other places, and I knew a lot of musicians, but I had not. The Vanguard wasn't really on my radar at the time. Uh, so yeah, yeah that's... that was that was when I met a lot of people with through that through that show and. I already knew like Ornette and Youssef Latif and people like that, but I, I wasn't going to the Vanguard at that point, and I, I didn't know Paul. I knew his music though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but so you guys hit it off pretty well, right, right away? Because I know that um, you helped him a lot with his drums and his cymbals, and you guys went out yeah, for dinner just, and all that. Be, yeah. Yeah, we just became really good friends. Uh, I don't really remember you know, what exactly, how it happened, uh, if there was like a moment or something, but I think it, it happened, you know, we, we met on the show and, and then I saw him play a couple of times after that. And then I think when that lost in a dream record was made, we'd kind of talked a few times and, and, you know, gotten along and, and I just said, you know, I had some ideas about maybe how I would, take the photos for that record and and uh and he said he would see what he could do about getting ECM to hire me and sure enough he uh succeeded so uh so that's kind of how that record came about and that was the first time we really worked together and he liked the photos quite a lot and they liked the photos a lot and he just decided you know every record I do he I think Paul uh every record he does from then on out he would try to get me a, a job doing it uh-huh so. yeah he really liked your photographs he told he told me he thought you were a really good photographer and there is something there's something uh i don't know your photos are really candid and uh it seems like you get a lot of personality out of the people you're taking photos of um i don't know if you so when you're working um at like a a jazz club what you know what's what's your process do you do you do you just take as many photos as you can, or do you think about it? Or, I mean, you must have to be really unobtrusive, for one thing. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I was younger, I would just go photograph people for fun. Now it's kind of like my job, so I only do it if I'm hired. But, um, but yeah, I just uh, I take a lot of photos, and I, I really, you know, think about what emotions I'm trying to to capture from from each person in the band or the band as a whole. Um, you know, Paul a lot of times wanted band as a whole shots, like group shots of everyone playing. He didn't want shots of himself or shots of the piano player. He wanted shots of everybody working together. So yeah, with, with, with him, that's what he wanted me to focus on. And, and he was kind of, you know, hiring me to document a lot of these bands. So um, that's, that's what I was doing. And that's why a lot of the shots of him look the way they look, because he wanted band shot of, of everybody playing uh-huh so you have some back and just, forth with your subjects that's yeah yeah so i would i would just really try to you know with with he would have these like large groups so i'd try to kind of focus on him but get shots where like you know the, the black and white photo that you posted on facebook a bit and with masabumi and lawrence Stillman and ben street and thomas morgan like that photo it's like each person is, is could be its own photo, you know? Yeah. Like if you isolated each person, that would be a cool photo. Um, so like with him, that's kind of what I would work on is to try to make group photos where you could take, you could take one person out of each photo individually and it would be a good photo by itself. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're really thinking about the composition of how everyone looks sort of at the same moment. Yeah. 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 And there was, there would always be like, I think I remember for that shot, like, I think it was like Ben street kept putting the bass in front of his face. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, well, so I don't have to worry about everyone else. I just have to wait for him to not have the bass in front of his face. And when that moment happens, then I take the photo. Uh-huh. I think that's how that went down. Yeah, and so what kind of camera do you use? Do you, you know, I'm sure we have some. We have a lot of artists and photographers around here. Um, so you've got I, kind of low light conditions most of the time, right? In a club. Yeah. Yeah. When when I started doing the club photography, I was kind of an early adopter to this uh, Olympus four thirds system, which has now become kind of wildly popular. But at the time, nobody was really using it, and so I switched to, I took the majority of the photos of Paul with the, the Canon 5D Mark II um, with either like a 28 millimeter lens or a 35 millimeter lens, um, which are very fast lenses, uh, good for low light. Obviously, at clubs, you can't use a flash. So, uh-huh. Yeah, and so um, do you have a pretty big digital setup on your home computer, too, to process the yeah. photos? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I do now. At the time, I didn't have a good camera. And I, re- I remember, like, I was doing these, like, terrible photos for, like, a restaurant or something. And and the guy that I was working for, like, totally screwed me over and threatened to beat me up. And and I told, I had dinner with Paul and Bill Frizzell, and I told them this crazy story. And, and, and I think that's when Paul was like, oh, you know, you got to, you got to like get out of this situation. He's like, I'm going to help you out and, and try to get you a, a gig at, uh, at ECM. So that, I think that's how that 
happen. And I was like delivering food at the time on my bicycle too. So I went from like, I think it was after Lost in a Dream, but before the, the Birdland album, I got hit by a car and broke my hand riding my bike. And, uh, so I'd lost my food delivery gig. And, uh, and then I, I showed up at that Birdland date with my hand in a cast. Uh-huh. And I made the doctor leave one finger out of the cast so I could take the photos for that record. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you they, did. They didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> they, did, they were like, no, no, you have to put your whole hand in the cast. I was like, no, no, you have to leave one finger out so I can take the photos for this record date tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a typical crazy, <laughs> crazy time. I, I I almost posted that photo you did. Um, there's one of Chick and Paul, and Paul is like facing the camera, and Chick is kind of half turned away. I really like that one too. Maybe I'll yeah, I'll a lot post of like that. photos, yeah. a lot of photos with Paul or musicians and in, in general, like at that level. You know, the guys are like so busy that. And they feel comfortable with me. So when it comes time to do the group photo, they're just like, let's do it. And you have, like, seriously, like 10 minutes. This happens. This has happened hundreds of times where I've had, like, a two-hour photo shoot scheduled, and the, the person gives me, like, all the 10 minutes to take the photos. That Chick Korea photo I took in 10 minutes, and he looked at it, and he's like, this is great. And he's like, that was it. Uh-huh. And that's happened so many times where I've, wanted to had all these great ideas and wanted to to do all these different poses and have different lighting situations and we go outside of the venue or wherever it is or the studio and just take photos for 10 minutes and they're like that's great uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so that's it, what happened yeah the korea one that you're talking about that was right in front of the blue note uh-huh. and i was given like all of 10 minutes to take the photos and they're like let's go eat and i was like okay yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's your photography background? Are you a traditionally trained photographer? Or did you just learn on your own? Or I'm, I'm self-taught. I had some help. But, uh, I kind of had a good criticism from my friend Jack Bartugian, who's a New York-based photographer who worked for the New York Times for many years. But he gave me some, some good advice and critiques along the way. But, yeah, mostly just self-taught. I'm really uh, into, into the photographs of Chuck Stewart. He's a kind of legendary photographer. I would say he's probably my main influence. Um, he's, he's like 90 years old and he lives in Teaneck and and I, I've, been, I've been to his house and talked to him a couple times. Um, so he's probably my main kind of music photography influence, but uh-huh. Dick Arado is another influence. Uh, and uh, but I try. I really tried not to 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 purposefully, you know, be influenced by too many people. So as a result, I didn't really learn about other people because I thought, you know, people like me the way I am. So if I try to change things, then maybe they they won't like things as much. So I kind of purposely tried to limit myself to who I checked out. Uh-huh. in terms of other photographers and by the same respect I don't I didn't really make friends with a lot of other photographers either for that for that same reason uh-huh. just because I felt like I was on to something good and you know why change it uh-huh yeah yeah so you sound like you work pretty intuitively 
Yeah. But like if you meet a lot of musicians, you know, um, if you, when I did radio, when I did radio for six years in a radio station like yours, uh-huh. and I would interview musicians and I'd say, well, who do you like to listen to? And nine times out of ten, they would either say like a stock answer or they would say, I'm too busy to listen to other music. I'm just focusing on my own work. Uh-huh. So that yeah. kind of got me thinking, well, you know, maybe that's the right approach, you know. Uh-huh. And I didn't really understand it at the time. It's like, how can you not listen to all these other people? But then when I started working myself, then I kind of made more sense. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, um, I, I don't, I think earlier in his life, he listened to a lot of different stuff, but he really listened to mostly classical classical music and opera yeah 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 he had a yeah, huge he, collection he was... interesting i didn't know that but i started working for the new york city opera before they went bankrupt and he was really happy that i got this this job because i'd been telling him i was really into opera and wanted to go to the opera and the tickets are really expensive so then i got this job and and he was he was kind of really happy and that I'd get this job and I could go to the opera for free. So I remember. Yeah. Yeah. He was going to take me to the opera too. And, and, and it didn't happen. So, uh-huh. and, uh, yes, yeah, so I was kind of sad about that, that we never got to do I'll that. I'll take you to the opera. We'll go together. All right. Next time I'm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's, um, Anything more you want to say about Paul? So you guys talk a lot about just life in general. I don't know if you've been following yeah. the show. I, I read a lot of the quotes that he writes down, and they're like really philosophical kind of uh, thinkings about life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we talk about. I would, a lot of times, through the help of YouTube, like dig up old recordings of his that he was on that he hadn't heard in forever, and send them to him on email, and we would talk about whatever recording I'd managed to track down that day. I mean, we would hang out, like, every day for, like, a couple of years. We hung out pretty much every day um, for, like, three or four years, you know. three I guess three years, you know, from, like, 2008 to 2011. We hung out, you know, sometimes six days a week, you know, for two or three weeks at a time, Um so we would talk about his music that he'd recorded in the past or like I was really interested in like obscure sidemen or like, you know, kind of swing musicians that he'd interacted with. And I'm kind of like a jazz history nerd. So I would just ask him questions about all these kind of people that he'd work with and stories. And he, he more liked talking about, you know, like swing and bebop era people we wouldn't really talk about current stuff. We would just talk about stuff in that era because that was, you know, yeah. kind of what I was more interested in than avant-garde jazz at the time. I mean, after meeting Arnett, I, I was kind of like, and getting to know him really well, like that was enough for me when it came to the avant-garde jazz. I was cool after that and sort of stopped listening to a lot of that stuff and going to a lot of the contemporary avant-garde shows once I had that as an outlet and I could just go over to his house whenever I wanted, you know, that was, that was, became my avant-garde jazz fix outlet, whatever. Yeah. So did you ever talk to Paul um, about Sam Brown? I did a show on him last week and there's, boy, there's not much, there's not much about uh, 
about him uh, we did, to dig up. We didn't but, talk about that. We did talk about this story that I told Phil Schapp um, about Ornette. Paul played with Ornette once. Uh-huh. He was supposed to be on this John Lewis record uh, that had uh, Eric Dolphy on it and Bill Evans and Scott LaFaro and Ornette and... Uh, and, and the drummer that ended up being on the record was this, it was, it was arranged by Gunther Schuller and conducted by Gunther Schuller. And the, the drummer ended up being this guy named, uh, Six, Six Wilson or something like that. I'm probably butchering his name, but I remember I found this record and I was like, you know, these are your cats. Like, why aren't you on this record? And he's like, well, I was supposed to be on the record, but when I realized there was going to be a bunch of rehearsals with Gunther Schuller, he said, to hell with it and, and quit because he didn't like rehearsing. Uh-huh. Even back so then. He did one, yeah. He did, he did one rehearsal and that was the one time he played with Ornette Coleman was this one rehearsal. And, uh, and he, he found this guy, this replacement drummer because the guy could play with brushes and read music. That's how Sticks uh, Wilson, I believe the guy's name was, got the gig. So that's kind of an interesting story that not too many people know about. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is. Um, yeah, I know that. So, but Paul got to know Ornette because he used to go watch him play when Charlie Hayden and played in his band, right? And Paul was playing with Bill Evans, I think, at the same time. I said, you know, do you want to go over there and, and play with them? Because I'd taken Frizzell over there, and Frizzell loved playing with them, and I took a lot of people over there. But that's a, for another time, another interview. But um, he was like, no, no, I don't want to go. I was like, well, don't you want to play with him once? And he's like, well, I did play with him once. And that's how I learned that that story of that rehearsal and how he was supposed to be on that record and how he quit the record because he didn't want to rehearse. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was he was really into this, like, you know, not doing multiple takes thing. He he would kind of do it on the, on the last record. He did multiple takes. But it was the only, I think the only, maybe the only album ever that he'd, done multiple takes on that was his own date like he told me that that Carla Blay record uh, Escalator Over the Hill he said they did like so many takes that it just like drove him crazy and he, he was like really became opposed to doing multiple takes after that session uh-huh yeah yeah he didn't like the long the long time of the same thing over and over again <laughs> well, that yeah, makes sense you know, it's more of just like yeah. a one and done kind of guy you know a lot yeah. of and there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, yeah. Some of the uh, rehearsal tapes I've played, though, um, well, that's different. A rehearsal is different than a take for a recording. Um, yeah. I, I kind of noticing, like, it, there, there's a really a big difference between playing live and playing for a recording. And there's a totally. lot of stuff on the um, rehearsal tapes that um, it sounds really different than the recording and or it never got recorded so that's really a great wealth of music that um, and he probably never envisioned those rehearsal tapes being dissected and listened to and played yeah you know, well he did keep either. them all though you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe so, he did. i don't know I don't, I don't know yeah it's kind of i know he told me um you know, before he passed away, that I didn't have to do anything with his stuff. You know, like he wasn't. He, there was nothing that he wanted me to do, and um, and so I and I do feel like there was no pressure from him to to do that. But there's so, it's so there's so much great stuff that it's 
no, really I'm, great I'm to share it, it. You know, I'm glad you're doing it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am too. I wouldn't be where I am today without Paul. I mean, he was at a low point in my life with like a really good best friend, you know, which propelled me to to be a better human being and a better adult. And, you know, it was really hard when he died. I was depressed for like really bad for like two years. <laughs> yeah. It was not cool, you know, so, yeah. but came out of it stronger and better uh, adults and human being, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm still, you know, have a lot of those connections that I, I met Jason Moran kind of through Paul. I met Bill Frizzell through Paul. I met, you know, a lot of people that are really close friends of mine Yeah. Um, through that situation. And ECM, you know, I still work with them occasionally. So... Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I noticed you did Korea, this. You know, quick, you know? Yeah. All these things, you know. So. Yeah, I noticed you did the photos for um, Mark Turner's Lathes of Heaven, I think is the name of mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I, I like those a lot. Those uh, are nice. Oh, so um, I'm talking to jazz photographer John Rogers in a random hotel in New York City, <laughs> live. And if um, you want to check out his photos, he has a really nice website at www.johnrogersnyc.com. And I'll put a link on that to, um, on the Blogspot page. And, um, and I want to thank you, John, for coming on the show. I don't know if there's anything we didn't cover that you want to talk about or comment on. No, I just I miss I miss hanging out with with Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so this is fun to talk about him. Yeah. A lot of the times we would just, you know, walk around and talk about bebop or swing, uh -huh. you know, and talk about cats. You know, it's fun. Or talk about the Yankees or or food or or whatever. You know, it's just he was just like a regular friend. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's hard to replace people like that especially in New York, you know, where everybody's so busy. It's hard to find regular friends here, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a very unique thing about Paul is that he was so present in the moment when um, he was with you, you know. He really mm -hmm. gave, he really listened really well and, and, yeah. um, and, you know, and sometimes he, if he didn't want to be around people, he just... Was I think some people got offended by that. He'd be like, no. <laughs> no, you can't come over now, or I can't talk now. Yeah. Goodbye, you know. And, and yeah. But, you know, he was just up front about where he was at. But and when he'd call you back, like, the next day and be like, yeah, sorry about yesterday. I was, you know, in a weird state of mind or whatever. It'd be cool. Yeah, but then when he was with you, he was really right there. So, yeah. 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 Now, those were good times. Those were good times. Okay. Well, thanks for the for having me on. Okay, you're thanks welcome. For thanks for coming show. on, John. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it was fun to look at your photos. Um, I, I have Paul's computer, so there's you know there were a bunch in there that I checked out. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I will say goodbye, and um, I want to remind people that you're listening to WRFR Community Radio, ninety three point three FM. And next I have queued up a song, Little Lulu, from Trio 64, a Bill Evans, Gary Peacock, and Paul Modian 
album that uh, John Rogers said he really likes this song. So. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye bye.
Thank you.